Okay. And Debbie, I'm a compulsive overeater. And Michael, thank you. Michael didn't exactly ask me to be here, but my sponsor told me I was going <laughs> to fill in for her. So thank you for asking her. Um, and um, I want to say welcome to the newcomers. Um, we're really grateful that you're here, glad you're here. Um, at least explain her abstinence. I'll tell you what my abstinence is. It's um, no sugar or sugar-free desserts, no bread or bread-type products. And um, that portion of it I've maintained perfectly with the help of God and sponsor and all the tools of our program. And the rest of my food, I have to say, is highly imperfect. And um, my abstinence date is September 7th, 1992. And um, I've never left. And I do things in my life very imperfectly. You know, Chapter 5 talks about spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. I don't even know the meaning of the word perfection, honestly. And before I got here, my way of doing things was either I was trying to do like 600 calories, I was trying really hard, or I, if I went one iota over the line, I said blank it, and I was like off. And I did that over and over and over again. And um, unfortunately, I'm a really slow learner. Um, And um, I have to perform certain experiments over and over again and see that they don't work over and over again. And do I learn? Generally, no. Um, And um, what was my life like? Um, I am the oldest of two girls. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. we're not supposed to name someone else's disease, but I will tell you, dinner time at my house was like, um, it was insanity. <clears throat> and um, my parents and my sister all passed away as a result of this disease. Um, and um, it's heartbreaking. My sister was 50 years old, um, my dad was 65, and my mom was 70. So at 58, I'm sort of a miracle, you know, that I'm still standing. I guess it's good that I'm standing, right? (laughs) If I was sitting, you might not know. Um, Anyway, um, my parents were incredibly generous people, very, very generous. Um, Makes me feel very um, emotional, sad. I miss them. Um, and I'm grateful for the life that they gave my sister and I and the opportunities, um, and they made a lot of sacrifices to do that. Um, anyway, my father, I can't even begin to imagine or explain why he did this, but we lived in the Midwest, and if there was a fire, <laughs> I can't even say it was a strict or if somebody had a car accident, He would, like, bring these people home. I don't know why. I can't, I just can't even fathom. Like, why do you, like, you know, go rescue people and bring them home for dinner? So we would have a code that if somebody came 
unexpectedly for dinner, uh, which happened a lot, my mother would say FHB, which meant family hold back. <laughs> and it was the code because people came often unexpectedly for dinner and like I said it was insanity you know whoever got it first got it right and um, uh, only in certain homes certain I don't know I attribute it to being an ethnic home not necessarily a home full of compulsive overeaters would you have to say FHB so um, anyway it was a trip um, and I lived basically a double life. At school, I was overweight. At home, I was thin. I was the thin one because I was thinner than they were. And um, I was very confused. I was miserable. I wanted out of my house from my earliest memory. I thought my parents were the problem. I thought the fact that um, we were Jewish living in an area of all Christian people was the problem because we were different. Um, you know, I was sure that a whole list of things was the problem. And I carried that like through my life till I got to a 12-step program. I, and I started offloading everything because all the outside stuff was the problem, except that it didn't solve the problem, which was me um, and my disease. Not me, my disease. Diseases. Um, anyway, I was very much an overachiever at school, and um, there was a lot of pressure to, um, to do well, to get good grades, to be the best intellectually, you know. Um, and food was my friend, you know. Um, it helped me to kind of subsidize the life that I had, you know, which was a ton of pressure. And, uh, or it felt like a lot of pressure. And, you know, I, I, I was so not smart about doing things. My, my mother would bake a pie. Is it okay to talk about food? And she would say, don't touch it. Now, there were two children, right? got a 50-50 shot of who it was that touched the pie, right? My mother knew it wasn't her, my father was at work. So she would say, don't touch it. And over and over again, I would like go steal food from our own refrigerator. And it talks about in the big book about not being able to bring into our mind the consequences of our actions. That's not the way it's phrased, but similar. You know, that I, I couldn't see beyond I needed that right away. I couldn't wait. And, um, and I got in trouble over and over again. But it didn't, it never resolved the problem. So, um, I, like I said, I would, I would go on diets. What, to me, I would visit a number. Like I would like get to that weight i visit for a couple days, and then, <laughs> then I was off. It was like sort of like a little vacation, right? Um, except it was no vacation for me. Um, and um, I, I never was 
obesely overweight. God knows I was never too thin, ever. I wished for that, but never happened. Um, and when I got here, um, I was I was crazy, really, really crazy. Um, I through a series of circumstances, I ended up getting sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know, my experience is I'm a highly addictive human being. You take away one thing. And the other ones, it's like, you know, that whack them all. One goes down, the other ones pop up. And since food was my primary um, source of comfort, as soon as I stopped drinking and smoking cigarettes, the food was insane. And, um, or I was insane with food. And I was working at a company where we manufactured large ladies' clothing, and a lot of us were overweight, you know, varying degrees of overweight. And um, a group of us decided we were going to go to Weight Watchers together. So we went to the meetings. We all had, you know, the printed out food plan, which to me, I still have it in my closet someplace because I need to have it there to remind myself. I couldn't do one day. I could not do it. And it is the most forgiving, in my opinion, the most forgiving diet there is, and I couldn't do one whole day. I just couldn't. And um, and I would go to the meetings, and I would, you know, I was at work all day long with these people, and everybody was doing their thing, and I couldn't do it. And I would offer to go out and pick up lunch for everybody, and I would order a salad with like 20 packages of Melba toast, and I would sit in my car, and unwrap and eat 20 packages of Melba toast, which to me, I ate a lot of half gallons of ice cream, a lot, often. But that was more humiliating than eating a half gallon of ice cream because it's like, oh my God, it's come to this. And hence, no Melba toast. <coughs> um, I can't safely eat it, evidently. Um, but it, you know, it was, it was sad. And I would play mental tennis in my head all day long. I'm going to stop at such and such a place on the way home. I'm not. I am. I'm not. I am. I'm not. All day long, that went through my head. What am I going to do when I leave work? I am. I'm not. I am. I'm not. And, I, you know, you can't live a life like that. And um, I'm grateful that I have had the willingness over the course of time to commit my food because it takes away the I am, I'm not when I, you know, turn my food over to my sponsor I'm accountable and, you know, I don't have to get anymore. What am I going to eat? What am I not going to eat? Um, anyway, I, I came to OA when I was pretty newly sober and it made me crazier. My sponsor suggested, uh, my AA sponsor suggested working the steps in AA and then coming back when I, you know, had done that first. And she, she was very grounded in the big book. And, you know, there's a story in there about a guy who tried to quit smoking or, you know, he tried to put the, the horse before the cart, cart before the horse. Um, 
something before something else. <laughs> anyway, um, and this, I don't, I'm not recommending anything I'm telling you in my story. This is my experience. So um, when I had about a year of sobriety, about a year and a half, my AA sponsor assigned me a sponsor. Uh, you know, literally, I walked in the door here, and she said, Seppi is going to be your sponsor. And um, I'm so grateful to her. I'm getting so emotional, but that was a long time ago, and for most of the 22 years that I've been here, Seppi has been my sponsor, and um, a lot of you know her. And, you know, it's principles above personalities, but she reminds me of the principles of this program very frequently. And I email her my food and email her what's going on five days a week, and um, I call her on occasion. And um, anyway, um, you know, what she told me when I was new is to just pick an abstinence that was doable. And I honestly didn't think that the abstinence that I have was doable, but, you know, we just decided the things that were making me the craziest is what I should attempt to do. And to just put one foot in front of the next and to try to eat, you know, some semblance of a meal. And, um, you know, if I committed to an apple, I found an apple. <laughs> that was the biggest apple that I could possibly find. And, you know, sometimes I would commit three apples, you know? It was like, I just had to do like one thing and try to do it for one day. And for me, that, you know, a lot of years later, that is what I have to do because the food keeps me really humble. I know I need this, this program big time. You know, I haven't had a drink in a very long time. It's easy to forget, if you will, you know, when you're not sitting across the table from something for a long period of time. But food, we deal with it every single day. It really does keep me humble. And uh, what does my life look like today? I will tell you that before I got here, my idea of exercise was, swear to God, getting up from my desk, walking all the way across the floor to the bathroom and back. And um, it was a long way from my desk. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had to pray for a year and a half for the willingness to do exercise. And I did. I prayed, literally, because I had, in my mind, it was like with the food. Either I'm going to do two hours or nothing. Like, why bother, right? Why drive all the way to the gym? Thank you. So, um, you know, I have been given the willingness to exercise moderately. And for a long time, I did it every single day. Now I do it most days, probably five days a week. And, um, you know, I've actually run and walked a marathon, which is a freaking miracle. I don't really do that any longer, but um, I'm really grateful that, like, I figured out how, with the grace of God, how to um, actually do some kind of exercise. And, um, you know, my life 
as a kid, I was like terrified of exercise. To me, that was like putting on the gym uniform and never knowing if the snaps were going to pop in the middle of gym class, and they did. And, you know, it was frightening. Um, I, you know, I had a religion growing up, and I thought I had, like, some kind of contact with a higher power, with a God of my understanding, but really that was, God was frightening to me. Oh my goodness, I don't know what that is. I've never had a phone call from him before. <laughs> I'm going to just let it do. It's my work phone and nobody has that phone number. That's a little weird. All right, anyway. Um, wow. That's conscious contact, huh? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, today I know how to pray. My first sponsor said, you know, I can only tell you what I do, which is to pray on my knees. And, you know, I had a lot of um, baggage about that idea, but I wanted what she had, so I did what she did. And um, to me, it's like just a different way of doing things. I'm not on my knees any other time during the day, so it makes me um, somewhat conscious. And I, you know, I ask God to keep me sober and abstinent every day, and I thank Him for doing so at the end of the day. And um, I, you know, I believe that the foundation that I got in working the steps in the big book is what has um, really saved me. Um, and I've done big book workshops, which I really loved. And, um, you know, the greatest gift that I've been given here is the gift of sponsorship and not being sponsored, but sponsoring others because I still have the kind of mind that talks to me all day long. And I need a mental vacation from myself. And when I get to talk to somebody that I sponsor, I get a mental vacation from myself. And, um, you know, I've learned how to get out of my own way to some degree um, around here. I've learned how to ask for help, which it was not anything I knew how to do before I got here. I knew how to give directions to other people. I did not know how, how to be humble and say, I don't know how to do this. I need your help. And, um, you know, there are a lot of women in this program that have given me their time, which is absolutely the most precious gift, in my opinion, that you can give to somebody because it's just not replaceable. And. I am so grateful for the generosity of others and, you know, it says, I think, in Dr. Bob's story about, you know, like, why do we give back? Because it's a pleasure and because we can never repay the debt that's of the gift that's been given to us. And I know I'm, like, quoting it all wrong, but the idea is, you know, it's so helpful to me to be able to give back. Um, I spoke to... Um, my other sponsor who's in both programs yesterday and she talked about you know like what what makes you happy giving you know when I'm able to like give to another person and particularly in this program that you know there's no happiness like that when you see the light come on in someone's eyes that's like an incredible gift um, 
and I, you know, if I can say nothing else, I'm just very, very grateful, <coughs> excuse me, to be here. I'm grateful for imperfection and that I'm not trying to, like, live my life in, you know, this kind of space that I'm able to live in the gray area today. So with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay. Wow. Um, oh, thank you. What is the biggest, biggest psychic change that I've had since coming into the program? Um, I, there have been a lot of big... One is probably the willingness to exercise. Um, that, that's been huge um, and um, the willingness to exercise I guess that answered that yeah how did you get your I become more friendly in my relationship with God um, you know I my sponsor said um, asked me if I believed that she believed and I knew that she believed for sure I like I said, had a lot of baggage about, you know, ooh, sorry about that, about things. I, um, the 12, 12 and 12 talks about it, about, you know, I took certain actions and I don't know on what day it happened or how it happened. I made the group my higher power because it was suggested in the 12 and 12 to do that. And at some point, I, um, I developed a relationship with God as I understand him and um, <clears throat> excuse me um, I did uh, I've never been in how nor has my sponsor ever been in how but I went through these the first 30 day questions and one of the questions was to make a balance sheet um, you know draw a line and put reasons for believing in God and reasons for not believing in God and that really helped me because um, I found that I had a lot more reasons for believing in God than I knew. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I will tell you that I can see um, God as I understand him more in the past than I can necessarily today. But I, I can cite a lot of instances when I look back at the way that things happened that I know there's no other explanation. Um, and I won't bore you with the stories, but I can tell you for sure that that, um, that that God had to have intervened or things could not possibly have worked out the way that they worked out. And um, hopefully that answers your question. Um, I could not eat Melbito's bread. I mean, I went through like this experiment. Oh, I'm sorry. How did I put down bread and why? Um, why? Because I was insane around it. I, you know, I would go to a restaurant and order takeout, chopped vegetable salad, no dressing, no, no, nothing else, right? Just vegetables and a whole loaf of bread. <laughs> Because I was on a diet. 
and um, and I would I would go buy six bagels. I was going to put five in the freezer. You know, like I had this experiment over and over and over again that I just couldn't handle it. And you know, I've thought many times that oh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to have a sandwich? You know, like other people do. And I've discussed it with my sponsor also. And, you know, um, it talks in Chapter 5 about being rigorously honest with ourselves. I, I can see that if I take certain actions, that it's going to take me down a slippery slope. And my food is by no means perfect. It is way imperfect. But I know for sure I can't eat that safely. It's not in any kind of form. Um, and and it just I don't know how I had the willingness to do it. I I think I was miserable enough, and I had you know performed the experiment enough times that I was willing. And the only way I I could do it myself for one day, but I can I can stop. I cannot stay stopped. So the only way to stay stopped was with the help of the group, a sponsor, a higher power. You know, that that part of it I could do myself. I just can't stay stopped. So I know I need a God as I understand him. Tell you I've had resentments. That's for sure. How do I deal with resentments? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, inventory has been the best tool is to write a fourth and fifth, fourth step and to do a fifth step and to, um, you know, what it instructs us to do is to look at our part. And anytime I have a resentment, I have a big part in it. Because, um, you know, I, it is my belief, <coughs> excuse me, that even if I'm standing on a corner and a car speeds out of nowhere and hits me and I'm just standing there, I still have a part in the resentment because either I'm holding on to the resentment or, you know, I find that I have placed myself, it talks about it in the literature, placed myself in a position to be hurt. And um, and it's true for me all the time. Um, and today when I have a resentment, um, I try to talk to somebody about it or... Um, or to, you know, to go through the inventory process, at least in my head, to figure out what my part is. And after doing it for a period of time, it's easier for me to get to the conclusion, which is, you know, to get done with the resentment and look at my part quicker than I was able to do it in the beginning. Thank you. Well, my abstinence is no sugared or sugar-free desserts. So, desserts <coughs> per se. Um, and, you know, I guess I am surrendered to the fact that um, it doesn't belong to me anymore. You know, it's like, um, it's like stealing food out of the refrigerator when you know 100% that you're going to be caught. You know, like, I... I can't do that anymore. I know I'm going to be caught. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work for me. And I'm grateful that I have a surrender in that regard. Um, in terms of 
uh, family gatherings or big events, you know, I what I try to do is um, have dessert of my own. In other words, I can like order fruit or bring a piece of fruit or know that I'm going to... I eat a lot of frozen bananas. I love frozen bananas. To me, that's like ice cream. And it's, it just is. I have them pretty much every day. So that's my treat. And I, I try not to... Um, deprivation's been a really big thing early in my life. You know, like I would try to deprive myself. And I know that the minute I feel deprived... I've got one foot out the door. So I do everything I can to um, not deprive myself of the things that I can eat. And that that makes it okay. Um, and, you know, if people ask me, I mean, it happens at work all the time when people have birthdays. You know, they leave cake on my desk or whatever. You know, which is very nice to be thought of. And then the other day, I literally, like, had to walk around for 15 minutes to try to find somebody that would eat the cake, right? But it, you know, it's, I am very surrendered to the idea that that's not for me. And I did not, thank you, God, think for one iota of a second that I could possibly eat that. I don't even want it around me. I'm not interested, you know? Now, do I want two frozen bananas or five frozen bananas? Sure, you know, because that's, that is food that I can eat. But um, I don't know if that answered the question. I, and, and in terms of answering somebody, I tell them I am allergic, which I am. You know, they talk about, I've heard it spoken about like peanuts. You know, if you blew up or had to go to the hospital every time you ate peanuts, you wouldn't eat peanuts, right? But I would blow up, literally, <laughs> when I ate, you know, sugar dessert. But I kept doing it again and again until I figured out I'm going to the hospital if I do this. So that helped me to be surrendered. I hope that answered the question. I'm sorry, what time do we stop? Okay, all right. How has program affected your personal and romantic relationships? Oh, boy. <laughs> How has program affected my personal and romantic relationships? How about I just talk about the personal? <clears throat> Leave the romantic out of it. Um, well, I, you know, as I said about the resentment part of it, I'm able to look at my part a lot better, um, a lot sooner. Um, I I have a pretty low bottom when it comes to the romantic relationship aspect of it. You know, I um, I had a lot of and still have um, some degree of you know dysmorphia or you know fear about my body, um, and you know I had a lot of confusion as a kid about you know am I thin or am I fat. And I was definitely overweight compared to other kids, and I just physically couldn't do a lot of things that other kids could do. So that gave me, you know, kind of a um, a misshapen view of myself. And it's taken some outside help with that. Um, 
and you know in terms of the program to be able to talk to other women about their experience you know my sponsor didn't date for a long period of time and then became willing to date and then ended up you know getting married and to be able to watch that progression um, and you know to see people that go before me to see how they do it is very helpful and I need a lot of help from God a lot um, because I don't on my own have the willingness to do certain things and you know I am still single I'm not dating anybody so I have a lot of progress that needs to be done in that area but you know I've become willing to do certain things that I wasn't willing to do previously and um, in terms of my personal relationships I've learned to admit when I'm wrong to ask you know for someone's forgiveness and also to bless you to try um, you know they talk about amends as to change our behavior and I'm a slow learner but over the course of time you know I try to learn to change my behavior to some degree with other people and at work I try to pause when agitated I'm not usually doubtful <laughs> no I know for sure when I'm agitated <clears throat> that's not exactly what it means but um, but anyway um, and and program has helped me to be able to have a sense of humor in most of what I do you know there's like a part in the 12 and 12 that talks about rule 62 which is don't take yourself so damn seriously I think that's what it says and um, I I try not to take myself so seriously sometimes I I don't do well on that but you know I try to maintain a sense of humor and the program has helped me to lighten up to some degree. Thank you, Debbie. Um, what do you do when you're trying to come up or love? What do you do? If you um, I could show you on my phone. Um, I, um, I have a lot of things that give me comfort. I have a dog that is to me, D-O-G and G-O-D, they go together. Um, and I, yeah, I mean that in the most sincere way, you know. Um, I have learned so much from my dog about being in the moment, about not worrying about things, about, you know, not having fear about food. She can eat some and walk away. It's like, come on, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Um, and uh, her name is Mitzvah which means blessing or a good deed and she is one of the ways that I know for sure that there is a God in my life it's a long story but you know she gives me a lot of comfort um, and um, you know making phone calls gives me comfort sponsees give me a tremendous amount of comfort because I'm not thinking about me and I have a lot of feelings we all have a lot of feelings you know and I can be great one minute and the next minute I'm like you know telling myself things that I shouldn't be telling myself you know um, but the best way to get out of my the best way to deal with my emotions is to get out of myself absolutely Thank you so much, 
Um, I will talk to somebody about it. The thing that helps me the most is when I'm able to commit my food, even if I'm committing it at the end of the day, um, because I'm telling somebody else. You know, for me, that is like the greatest transparency is am I willing to tell somebody what I ate? And, um, you know, I'm, I committed my food for like the first two and a half years that I was in the program, and then I don't even remember what happened, but I then I didn't for a long period of time, and I can't even tell you how many years ago um, I was complaining that I was having, you know, not feeling good about my food, and my sponsor said, well, I'm committing my food again, and I thought, well, isn't that nice? <laughs> I think that's what I said to her. <laughs> that's nice. And she's like, you might want to do it, and I thought, there's no possible that wasn't what I thought I won't say what I thought but um, you know somehow or another I became willing to do what she was asking me to do because she was doing it and that you know that kind of um, help is invaluable you know when somebody else goes before us and shows us what to do and I have a lot of imperfect food days a lot um, but I love that bell. Thank you. Um, but it's very helpful to me to have a sponsor and to discuss my food with her.